Hello, and welcome to In Pursuit of Passion, a podcast for exploring the passions and interests of people in the UChicago community. I am your host, Owen Dominguez. Today, we will be interviewing Assistant Instructional Professor in the Math Department, Mark Bly. Bly joined UChicago three years ago and now teaches the 1300s calculus sequences in addition to instructing graduate students on pedagogy for their 1500s calculus sections. I was lucky enough to be one of his students last year. Prior to UChicago, Bly was the Dean of Academics and an instructor at the New American Youth Ballet and Conservatory. Let's hop into the interview. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Of course. It is our pleasure. Let's start off things with passions. Um, What is your signature passion that has driven you to the point where you want to teach math as basically your whole life here at UChicago? It's a good question. Uh, I mean, certainly a love of math is is some aspect of what drives me to do what I do. But I think more so than that is sort of to share a side of a subject that is often, from my experience at least, or at least maybe more often than not is probably the way to say it, uh, conveyed in an overly didactic style and instead to sort of breathe life into the subject. So somebody could look at math and say, oh, that's just some rehashed, rewashed, whatever. But from, from another point of view, sort of told uh, from, from, a, from a certain viewpoint, I think, I think there can be drama in the math. And I, I, I enjoy sharing that because I think that uh, the subject just uh, goes underappreciated, um, at least among the masses. And so, yeah, having an opportunity here at Chicago to work Frankly, not even often with math majors, but often with majors that are outside of math uh, in a way that can sort of sort of breathe life into the subject for them, even just in terms of their own mental conception, so they can be carrying with them for the rest of their life potentially a, a, a new uh, a new vantage point, a new appreciation, a new understanding, a new uh, sort of enlightened uh, perspective. Uh, yeah, if I can, if I can sort of pass that along, that that feels that feels good. Because I mean, who who doesn't want to have the feeling of uh, just a classically mind broadening experience? And so, yeah, if I can offer that to my students, um, that that brings me joy. That passes along the joy, and uh, yeah, I'm all for it. Wonderful. Um, I'm glad that you brought up like combining multidisciplinary sort of students inside of the way that you teach, because you primarily teach the 150s and 130s sequences, right? Yeah, yeah, most of most of the instructional faculty here in the math department were teaching these service courses, in effect, that are not really for math majors, but just math to uh, sort of ancillarily support a major that might be... Yeah, like, what was kind of your journey in sort of getting into the field of math, even like in undergraduate work? Do you sort of see... <laughs> these students as sort of starting very nearby to where you were in getting into math, or do you sort of relate to them and sort of your experience on how you got into math? Here at UChicago, probably not. I mean, I, I do, I think, I think the abstraction tolerance from a UChicago student, the, 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 just the puritanical open-mindedness is so much higher than mine was when I was a freshman in college. So I, I went to a state school. Um, I was majoring in engineering, and uh, yeah, I had this very sort of pragmatic viewpoint about I'm going to work my tail off for four years and like get this high-paying job and blah blah blah. 
And uh, yeah, I was. It was the first semester of sophomore year, and I was in a class, uh, deformable solids, as it was called, and we had just spent two thirds of the entire course talking about uh, horizontal beams. Uh, they were, you know, peering off from one stable point or maybe a stable point on both sides. And then, like, yeah, two-thirds of the way through the course, they turn the beam on its side and call it a column. And it is the exact same ideas. <laughs> Reiterated, albeit with a 90-degree twist relative to gravity. And, man, I came home from that class meeting and just about lost it. Like, I, I, my roommate at the time still will, I'm sure, reminisce about the story. I mean, he could tell you more about it than I probably could because I was, like, whited out mentally. Um, but, yeah, I probably went on for 30 minutes about just, you know, you go through the whole class and now you turn a beam into a column and it's supposed to be a revelation. And I realized at that point, I realized that I needed ideas to flow more swiftly. And when I thought about all the courses that I had taken throughout my time in college, uh, throughout my time even before college, uh, ideas flowed for me no more smoothly, fluidly, swiftly, just right uh, than, than in the math department. And it, it was, yeah, it was later that week that I officially declared a math major and I really have not much deviated from that path since. Uh, so I, 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 I actually, growing up my dad was a math major and I was sort of resistant to the idea almost in spite of that. Um, my dad ended up just working in industry, and so I thought, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't end up in math. But then it was like, wait, I, just, there's just some things you can't, um, there's some things you can't deny. And, and whenever, I, whenever I reflected back upon how the ideas flow in the math class, it just, it just felt right. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I just felt compelled to pursue it. And I, I mean, it's not that I necessarily pursued a math career continuously from that point forward, but like, it, it, I mean, it was clear to me that math was sort of my academic home at that point. Interesting. That's like a really beautiful story. And like, how far along were you in college at that point? Yeah, yeah. So it was like early sophomore year, like not super far. Um, I mean, enough time certainly to change uh, majors and sort of finish. I, I, I think, uh, frankly, a lot of people probably end up being math majors just because it's like a quote unquote easy major to finish because it, it often like couples well with other uh, disciplines and programs. So yeah, you know, if I had switched to from math to engineering in second year, I probably couldn't have finished. But like going from engineering to math, it was like, you know, hardly derailed I was. Fascinating. Yeah. Um... And you've kind of stuck with it to where you are now, right? Which is really fascinating as somebody who is constantly switching between stuff, which is kind of the UChicago experience, right? But with all these other fields, right, that we often associate, it's like, oh, math can go into here. Do you have any of these, like, tugging forces that are like, oh, I should use math in biology. Oh, I should use math in economics or that sort of vein. But you're here. You're teaching. You're an instructional professor. Yeah, yeah. That, that takes me on an interesting thought path. I truly, even upon working through my undergraduate program, was not anticipating going into uh, education. I, I don't, I don't know what I was anticipating doing, um, but I didn't see myself in education. Uh, as it turned out, uh, familial story again, I suppose. But my sister uh, had recently started a performing arts magnet school. Uh, it was in its second year. 
and she had lined up a math instructor who like two weeks before the school year took a job that was offered at a public school because it paid way more than she was able to pay. Um, and this was before like the 2008 stock market crash and the economy was strong and finding a math teacher was difficult, let alone trying to find one on uh, what a private school in its fledgling years could pay. And uh, yeah, I remember I just got a text message from my family that was like, you got to come back home. And I was like, what is going on? They're just, just get here. We'll talk whenever you do. And I, I, yeah, they basically were like, hey, this, this school is either going down or like you've got to step in. And I was like, I, but this is not what I want to do, blah, blah, blah. I agreed to work for my sister for a year. Uh, and incidentally, seven years later, I was leaving to start a doctoral program. So... Uh, and, and having worked with her for those whole seven years. And, and I, I truly think it was probably my third day teaching when I sort of, I don't know, I, 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 gave, a, I gave a talk that I think just even surprised me that, that in terms of how I was able to get the students to feel connected to the topic. And uh, yeah, it was sort of in that moment when I kind of realized, well, hey, maybe I've got something here. And I was enjoying it besides. So it's like, you know, if it was working well for me and I was enjoying it and, you know, what's 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 wrong with that? So that that I think I think through the evolution of time teaching uh, through during those seven years, I mean, it, it, what, by the time I was going off to a doctoral program, I was hell bent on working in academia uh, because I just I, I, I couldn't see myself not in education at that point. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I sort of uh, thrown to the wolves, if you will, uh, but then quickly realized, wow, this is this is something that, that works well for me. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just been one giant process of sort of like honing the craft ever since. And um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a wild ride. Yeah, I'm curious about something you said a little bit earlier about, well, very recently, but the idea that, correct me if I'm wrong, but you seem to connect the idea of academia and education very, very, very strongly in terms of your personal identity with math. And why is that sort of connection so strong? Like, as you said, like you sort of felt like that was like the only path forward, this idea like wanting to teach math at such a high level. Like what is sort of different about teaching math at like these college, graduate, postdoctoral levels versus high school with as you said, like a dance school, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a very, very, very different sort of structure and very, very different people at very, very different stages in their life. What is sort of universal or isn't universal about teaching math at all these different levels? Right, right. Uh, so I, I do think uh, that as focused as it seems America's sort of secondary and just pre-secondary education system is on benchmark standardized tests, I think it can be difficult to really cultivate a love of math for what it is, this sort of logically deductive sort of dance in its own right, uh, when you just flatly don't have time for such if you have to emphasize so many skills that need to be developed. And those the skills development is great. 
But uh, I mean, I will say this, working at a dance school, fortunately, we weren't as driven by the standardized test scores. So we could cover 60% of the topics to 100% sort of level as, as, as opposed to covering 100% of the topics, 60% level. And, and actually was able, like through that experience, I was able to sort of like convey some of the, I, I think some of the depth and the love for the, the, the subject matter. But, but whenever I got, uh, I guess it was my fifth year teaching, uh, at that at that secondary school level, whenever I uh, started my master's program, and it, I, I was not even one semester in, and I, I knew that I wanted to finish, and I knew that I wanted to go off to a PhD because I was being exposed to ideas that I had never seen before that I thought were just so lovely, and I don't know if I would have even been able to appreciate them without having had the experience of teaching the high school curriculum like I had for the years prior. Uh, to where I, I could just, oh man, I could see, I just wanted to share these ideas with somebody. And the, the opportunity to share a, a, a university level mathematical idea with a student in a high school setting is just very limited to challenging. Uh, and, and well, doing that in the university world is like, that's just the thing we do. So it's like, it just seemed like the perfect place for me because I, I, I felt like I knew too much and had developed these skills of sharing too well to not take my new knowledge and my developed skills of sharing and like couple them together. And, and yeah, university just seems like the place for, for me. So here I am. Wonderful. And how if so how has that actually like changed because we do call you Chicago the place where fun comes to die um, you seem to somebody who your fun in math has Im almost improved since you got here um, has this passion of yours that's like so core to who you are at this point have you felt like it's influence being changed in academia or is there like a disconnect between the academia that's here and sort of teaching because the other thing about you, Chicago, right, is we talk a lot about it being a research institution, right? And mm -hmm. your primary role here is not doing research, but teaching. And do you feel like there's a disconnect between sort of the goals of the university, or that's probably not the right way to phrase it, but the just experience here and also like between your and your students? So I will say this. Uh... The math department, I can't, I frankly cannot speak for other departments at uh, the University of Chicago because I like the partly because my first two years here maybe were during a pandemic, uh, and, 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 and maybe partly because it seems uh, that this institution compared to other institutions I've been at, it like the, the department is so uh, independently strong. Uh, that we sort of do things our way, and that's the way that it is. So I can't necessarily speak for all of you, Chicago, but I can speak for the math department to say there is something very special in the water supply here. Uh, in the sense, when I was being interviewed, my directors, co-directors, were... I, I mean, I hadn't even been offered the job yet, and they were telling me across the table, like, we're not hiring you to hold your hand. We're not hiring you to tell you what to do. Like, if we hire you, we're going to expect you to go into the class and teach it the best that you can conceptualize that. And I, I mean, that is a that is certainly like 
an instruction that would not be given to uh, just anyone, but to someone that the you know the committee in some sense was was offering trust to. But it was like this is this is something that was that is that is very different from other institutions that I've been at before, and something that for me has been quite lovely because uh, what what I've been able to get out of that um, just uh, willingness to allow me to explore my own teaching interests and my own teaching tactics and you name it uh, is to just you know be willing to take a chance I, I, I think about I heard in a pedagogy seminar within our department about uh, someone just sort of casually mentioned this idea about getting students creating things even if it's like something basic and then there was another person who gave a presentation and they were showing how their students were commenting uh, on these documents with memes and then I, I got the idea I was like oh man I need to have my students meme with the math and you know that sort of became like a thing for, for my classes here and I can't say that I would have even been seriously considering an idea such as that at another institution where things might be so focused on this that or the other benchmark that has to be satisfied whereas here it's like hey cover the topics do it in your own way and really as an instructional faculty member like make the students feel differently about the subject than you know make it not be dry make it be exciting share the joy like inspire and you know with that as a as a as sort of a motivating call i mean what a what a great position to be in as an instructor where you know you're just you're, you're given a classroom and you're given nine weeks to just inspire as many of the minds in the room as you can and yeah i i i like that is that is not the same everywhere, and that is something that I felt very fortunate to have encountered. I don't even know if it's the same way in different departments, uh, and and I certainly can say like there's other people in my role even within in, within this department that do things very very differently for me precisely because they're sort of like following their own calling on how they want their course to be constructed. So, but 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 just the fact that the department here has has you know showed that much confidence and trust and like uh individual freedom is uh it's just it's it's for me it's been in, immensely enjoyable and it's allowed me to evolve as an instructor more in the last three years than i probably have during any three years of my teaching career but maybe the first three uh so it, it that, that that i i mean i can't have enough words of appreciation for whether it be John Bowler, Yikas Sonova, Bob Pfefferman, essentially my three directors, like they're, they're, the, the way they do things is, it, for me personally, like just, it, it, it works so well. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't thank them enough. That's a very beautiful little story. Um, let's shift gears for probably a little bit. So, on your syllabus, one of the things it says is, while math is not an academic subject that inherently lends itself to discussions on individual identities, the field of mathematics in general, and this course more specifically, are human endeavors in which necessarily utilize the identities of all participants. I believe our classroom will experience the daily benefit from everyone feeling both respected as human beings and welcome to contribute as collaborators in our course progress. I mean, when I first read this, like, taking your course, I was like, I need to, like, I need to take a course from this professor. But also... I think it's really beautiful to describe really any topic, specifically like in the sciences, right, as human endeavors. And 
first of all, like, what does that mean to you to describe math as this human endeavor? Right. Uh, it's it's multifold, right? I mean, because uh, on one hand, the math that is studied in introductory undergraduate coursework is so far removed from history. I mean, it, like calculus, we're talking late 1600s. Uh, if you're talking the epsilon delta definition of a limit that uh, you know is a part of the U Chicago rite of passage in the calculus sequence, it, it, we're talking what 18, late 1800s. I mean, a linear algebra course, mid 1800s. It, as far as a sociology course goes, I mean that would just be archaic to have a discussion about ideas of that age, and and yet I mean these are the ideas that are circulating in the introductory 100 level courses. And, and I think it is very easy to lose sight of the fact that there were people who produced these ideas. There were other people who saw these ideas and were like, oh my gosh, look at this idea. Have you heard this? And like, because the, the, the calculus would not be so pervasive in a university education if so many people hadn't seen it. It'd be like, oh my gosh, look what this thing can do. And look, oh, it can do this too. Oh my gosh, it can even do that. Amazing. Like, it's just this amazingly powerful tool. And, and you, you know, with enough technical training, you sort of know it when you see it. And, and it, it, you know, I guess one goal of a course would be to sort of convey that to someone. But, 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 but another, I feel like almost equally important goal is to sort of uh, remind people of the humanity that is in the subject. Because, because, yeah, when you're just pushing the symbols and you're going through the abstract deductions, it just feels, it, and it felt to me at least for quite some time, like just a subject that just sort of was and always will be. And that's not the nature of math. I mean, while the math of today that, uh, you know, take the Langland seminar here in the math department, that seminar meets two days a week for four hours each session. Like, just a ridiculous amount of time being spent on modern mathematical ideas that will probably not filter their way into an introductory undergraduate mathematical curriculum for decades, if not centuries. And yet, like, this is, this is the nature of the state of the art in the subject. Like, 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 like you, we, we ought not forget that math is necessarily a product of humanity. And while, yes, in a classroom, sure, the experience that we have is not discovering the ideas of calculus. But even as an instructor, when I'm presenting the ideas, I almost ought to feel like I'm rediscovering them so that I can share the joy of the idea and how exciting it is and how, you know, applicable it is and how nuanced it is and how subtle it is and all of these things. So it's it, it's like, yeah, yeah, like while everybody in a 100 level calculus classroom is not creating modern mathematics, so what? They are going through a similar endeavor that the, the, the folks in the seminars upstairs in this building are hours a week. You, you, you're, you're constructing knowledge, you're taking ideas, you're piecing them together, you're asking questions, you're seeing if this thing is connected to that thing. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. And, and you know, these, these, types of, uh, these types of thoughts, these types of uh, progressions 
are 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 fundamentally human, and and ah oh, man, like especially when it comes to you know just getting ideas on the matter, I, the more the merrier, and the broader the merrier. The the the, the variety of perspectives can, can almost not be too numerous. Uh, so so yeah, from my point of view, like I I want as as much as possible my classroom to feel like an open space for a melting pot of ideas like it doesn't matter what the person in the audience would contribute to the course i'm excited to sort of build off of that and create something uh, uh special with that because that just adds to the human experience of the course so that that yeah I, I i think i think the subject can get a bad rap for seeming so stale when in fact, like it is, uh, you know, it's it's a way that we turn calories and caffeine into ideas, and and you know, in that sense, it's just like basically anything else in academia or life more broadly. It's beautiful. Taking a little bit of almost like a darker turn though with this too is, have you experienced like moments of either just like fundamentally like inaccessibility issues or? just difficulties with just even continuing your path in the first place that just you feel like shouldn't be there or like these massive difficulties that we often associate with like people like quitting academia and that sort of thing where it's like such like a I mean it's a broad question but also have you ever experienced this yeah I mean yeah the short answer is yes uh right uh so personally uh I, I mean I can speak personally and I can speak to like experiences that I've been a part of as, as an instructor I mean in my own personal journey, uh, I, I mentioned how I was bouncing around between majors as an undergrad. Um, oh man, I mean, I was I was just not academically motivated at the time. And incidentally, my academic record coming out of undergraduate was so patchy that uh, I could only get accepted to the local branch campus of State U's. Uh, master's program for night classes on the condition that I got an A in the first three classes that I took. They would they they would they would they accepted me as a non-degree seeking student for the first two semesters, or I guess my first three classes, only under the condition that I would get an A in each of those classes. Uh, incidentally, the one class I took had like seventeen students, only two of us got A's. Uh, but uh, well, here we are, I suppose. But uh, yeah, even after finishing that master's program with like. I took a philosophy class, which is probably misguided. I think I got a B minus in that because I can't—at least at the time—I could properly write like a philosopher. But uh, it was a good experience. But anyways, among math classes, I, I, I don't think I got less than an A minus, and I think there's only one of those. Uh, and, and when I applied to PhD programs because of my patchy record in my past, uh, the first time I applied, I think I applied to twelve schools, got into none. And then the second time I applied, I think I applied to 10 schools. This is a whole other year has gone by. Uh, and I got into one. Well, I got into three, but then only one could really offer me funding. So I really only got into one program. Uh, yeah, so I, 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 <laughs> I remember showing up at graduate school year one with like a little bit more resolve than a lot of my peers. Uh, because many of them had gotten into many schools and sort of had their pick of the litter and so on and so forth. Or even if they got into just one school, maybe they only threw out a couple few applications. And, you know, I was one for 22 at that point and realizing, like, this is probably my shot. Like, this is it. Like, if I don't, if I don't grab this, 
and just, you know, snuff out all of the distractions. My dreams are essentially unobtainable. Uh, and so I made sure that I outworked every one of my peers and put myself in a position to where there was no doubt I was getting through my program. Uh, and, and, you know, to that effect, I think as I become an instructor, I've been a little bit more open-minded than a lot of my colleagues with particular students. Uh, before I came here to Chicago, I was at um, a regional university in South Carolina, and uh, yeah, I had a student uh, there who... So I was told going into this course that I taught, and it was, it was my first major course, that, like first course within the math major that I was teaching there. It was my second semester teaching there. I was told that, oh, you would, you would know, that you would, you would quickly discover who this chosen student is in their program. And I, I, they knew this, they told me the student by name, like, oh, he's just, you know, the greatest student, blah, blah, blah. And I was halfway through the course and I thought this chosen student that everybody had told me about was someone else. Uh, incidentally, there was another student in the room, different from whom everybody in the room, like among my colleagues, everybody in the department had said was like sort of the chosen one. This other student was like pinning me to the wall after class practically, asking me questions, following me back to my office, like still needling me with questions. Like we'd be on the whiteboard for sometimes an hour after class, just like talking about ideas that were wholly unrelated to like what was specifically talked about in class. And this kid was just, he was voracious. And I remember bringing him up to a colleague of mine once uh, at lunch and he was like, oh, so-and-so, like he's just kind of lazy. And I was like, lazy, what are you talking about? Like he is, he is hungry for more. Uh, I, I, I proceeded to work with the student all summer long. We met for like 20 hours a week. Uh, doing a research project, we ended up publishing like a 17-page paper, and he went off to graduate school. And I think, you know, if, if I had listened to the opinion of my colleagues in the department, mind you, uh, he was a community college transfer student. So off of that bit of knowledge alone, one could easily dismiss a student by thinking, oh, they don't have what it takes. Uh, or, oh, they're, you know, first-generation college student. They, you know, don't have the pedigree. This student over here has a full academic scholarship, blah, blah, blah. Well, full academic scholarship or not, like, the engagement that this other student showed me was just, I mean, it was so compelling. It was amazing. Uh, and yeah, I, I feel really fortunate to have uh, had the experiences that I have had on my way into academia because, uh, while not taking quite as privileged of a path, uh, you know, my mom's a phys ed teacher and my dad's a steel worker. Like, uh, it, 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 it's, it's sort of made me more open-minded to students that might come through, uh, you know, my courses. And I'm, 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 I'm very fortunate for that because, you know, you have an opportunity to change someone's life. Like, uh, from, I don't know, from waiter at Olive Garden to graduate student at University of Virginia. So I feel fortunate for the experiences I've had, which have helped me open my mind uh, to, you know, it's not, it, you know, ironically, I'm saying this as a white male of European descent, but like, it's not just white males of European descent that can do math. Uh, I think, you know, the fact that we have, now I'm slightly ranting and I'll get off this soapbox in a moment, but like the fact that like in this building, like 
the math building at UChicago, it is hard to find a woman's bathroom. Like, that's a problem. It's something that needs to be addressed. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, this is just, you know, it's just, th th these, these, these seemingly little things can have a big impact. And, um, especially whenever the subject has the, the, maybe the stigma that it does in terms of being this sort of like quasi insular academic, uh, pursuit. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for the experience that I've had that it allowed me to sort of like broaden my viewpoint on what a mathematician is, because it's certainly not what they look like. It's the interactions that you have with them. It's the it's the appetite for the subject. Uh, boy, if interest drives the bus, like you know, these students that I've seen in some cases can you know can just drive for years, and that's so that's what it's all about. And that's I so I, I yeah I, I my own experiences have helped mold me there, but uh, yeah, it's been I, I I'm I'm incidentally thankful for having not had an easy road through academia because it's 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 helped me become more warmly accepting of anyone who wants to sort of sit at the table wow <laughs> thank you i guess kind of closing out you mentioned at the very beginning the thing that like really really gets you in terms of math are these sort of hidden human stories do you have sort of one story that like you keep coming back to about math as an instructor yes so i was at a i was at a conference in 2018 um it, it was called the project next uh like i guess it was sort of like our initiation conference i suppose uh project next is a, a program put on as an early career professional development project for for mathematicians, uh, NEXT stands for New Experiences in Teaching. And I went to a session that was run by Dave Kung, who is a professor at a private school in Maryland, I believe, who um, was the director of Project NEXT at the time, and I think is for another year or so until he passes off the baton. But the talk was about something I had never heard of from anyone, ever, and it was one of the most spellbinding stories of humanity and that I had ever heard of. And I couldn't, like, I, having walked out of the room that day, I couldn't believe that this was not more well, uh, like, known. It, it, like, uh, Clarence uh, Stevens is the man's name. He became the department chair at... Uh, Oh, I'm now blanking on the university. It was a state university of New York branch campus. Potsdam, SUNY Potsdam. Uh, Clarence uh, Stevens comes to SUNY Potsdam and effectively transforms the entire department. Gets every single professor on board with the idea that like comfortable chairs ought to be in the offices, office doors ought to be open. If you ever have to say anything even neutral about a student, you're doing it behind closed doors where no student will ever hear you. This includes when you're out in public. Like, don't go to the local pub and start back even neutrally talking about students. Uh, just completely scrubs the culture from these historically challenging artifacts. Uh, to this day, I am not aware of, looking at American Mathematical Society statistics, a department that has graduated 20% of its students in mathematics. And uh, on top of it, like 60-some percent female. 
uh, and and Clarence Stevens did this at uh, SUNY Potsdam, and he left, and like three years later, it's back to like six, seven percent math majors graduating from the school. On top of it, like twelve percent of these students were going off to graduate school with like some insane like eighty-five percent matriculation rate to PhD, which is like in, in a math PhD program that's probably double a norm. And it's like, how were they able to do this? It was it was this it was this sort of welcoming, warm cultural phenomenon that was effectively created in like yeah right who goes to Potsdam, New York to study math? But they 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 had something attractive and that inspired people. And and uh, I, I, when I when I saw the statistics and saw the graph of the math majors and saw the rise and then saw the subsequent fall. I thought, holy moly, like there is something just magical about that story because it, it, it echoes like the impact of one person. It echoes the importance of placing people first, no matter who they are. It, it, it echoes the, how the humanity of the subject is what is potentially most vital to its sustenance. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, I, I remember walking out of that session with Dave Kong and just being like, if I ever needed validation to pursue an education oriented university profession, uh, I've got it because what a, what a, just what an incredible story that is still to this day, hard to find. Uh, if you you know, Google Clarence Stevens and look up the story. You can see the statistics and this and that. It's still not very well known. And it's like, this is, this is an amazingly compelling story. Because when, when, when you talk about, uh, you know, modern movements and uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, specifically in STEM fields, most notably in mathematics, physics, it's like, you know, everyone should be studying what happened in that department during those years that Stevens was there because he was, he was a magician. Uh, and yeah, I, I, so, so for me personally, as an educator, that story is, oh, it's so good. It's so compelling. It's so hopeful. It's just, uh, it's fuel for the fire. Uh, you know, if I was a research mathematician, I could probably give you some, you know, fancy story about some amazing idea. Um, like, who knows what, but uh, I, I don't know. Uh, for me personally, that, that Clarence Stevens story is just, uh, it's as good as it gets. And um, yeah, I, I don't know if that's necessarily what keeps me going, but just knowing that what Stevens did can be done is, uh, it's, uh, it, 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 it definitely is hard not to feel motivation when thinking about the possibilities. Yeah, and... Hopefully, you've created some element of that here. I know from my own experience and a lot of the, my classmates, that was our experience too. So, thank you. You're, um, you're welcome. I'm happy to share the journey. Yeah. Before we end today, is there anything you'd like to plug about yourself or any math-related things to anyone listening? I, 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 wouldn't, I would encourage people, frankly, as scary as it is, uh, because while math is a human endeavor, uh, some of the best ways to get artifacts of humanity related to math are in written form. Well, to just go go read something related to math, and that sounds like such a 
uh, ridiculous thought, but I think there's so much um, stigma that gets people in the way of like wanting to sort of like read something that's mathematical. And you know, if I could offer any encouragement to people, it would be crack open a Wikipedia page or you know pop open a stray chapter of a book and just you know one little fact and who knows where that momentum would ever go or what fruit that would ever yield i think that's something that we all uh, could benefit from in some small way so thank you for joining us for our inaugural episode of in pursuit of passion mark Bly will be teaching elementary functions in calculus 2 next quarter join us next time for an interview with scott Ungreen, playwright composer and lecturer at u chicago bye-bye